Hello, I'm Daniel Sketchler. And I'm Callum Byrne. We've been friends for more than 10 years, sharing lifelong passions such as film and music. But most importantly, football, through the ups and the downs, the celebration and the heartbreak. However, he's a blue nose. And he's a villain. This is the Second City Podcast. Hello and welcome to the very first in-person edition of the Second City Podcast. I'm here with Callum, uh, my name's Daniel, and yeah, here we are in the studio. The studio? The in, studio. In Bromsgrove, um, Callum's home for Christmas. Yeah. So yeah, we thought, let's get on it, do one in person. Um, We've been setting up for about an hour, yeah. so hopefully this has all worked out perfectly. Yeah, hopefully you're seeing this and hearing this. Yeah. I think we're good. I yeah. We're good, I think. Um, but yeah, I, would, I think we should say if you are listening on Spotify, if there's one to watch on YouTube, today is the day. Callum's saying that because he edits the Spotify version as well. Uh, sorry, no, the I YouTube don't. Version. <laughs> sorry, Callum's saying because he edits the YouTube version. He's trying to get his numbers up. But no, yes. I, he, you are right, to be fair. Um, how have you been though? Good Christmas? Really good Christmas. Seen lots of family, lots of driving, but yeah. Lots it's... of drugs, I thought you were going to say. No. <laughs> no, no, no. Lots of alcohol, maybe too much beer, but. Cool. Yeah, just ready to see in the new year. Yeah. We've got our party on Sunday. Our party, New Year's. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah you are there. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, should be good. Um, what about yourself? How was your Christmas, Dan? Yeah, it was nice, yeah, very chilled. Um, yeah, very chilled. We were here just at home for a lot of it and then went round to Martin and Uncle's in the evening. Um, and then, yeah, very chilled. Well, see, bo- in my opinion, Boxing Day is the one. Like, I love Boxing Day. Yeah. But, um... Obviously, I had to go to Blues this Boxing Day, and that really soured. So, so, so just for like two, it got to like half time, and I was like, I just want this. I just want to go home, stick some movies A normal on. Boxing Day for you is just sitting in front of the telly yeah. with four kickoff times, maybe Blues on the radio, and yeah. they took away your four kickoff times yeah. and ruined your day. More or less. Um, yeah, but we'll get onto that later. Yeah. <laughs> Everything either side of the game on Boxing Day was good, but the actual. Yeah. Uh, but yeah. Um, should we explain a little bit about this episode then? Going to be a little bit different? Yes. Yeah. So normally we would do what we're wearing and then we'll talk about the games that have been, maybe a bit of housekeeping and the games that are going to come up. That is not what we're doing today. Um, so obviously, as we just mentioned, the new year is around the corner. So we're going to summarise 2023. We have only been podcasting for about half of that, but we're still going to talk about the year as a whole. All sorts of things like the best game, the best goal, player of the season, maybe even our best 11 of the season. Yeah. We won't do a combined team, we'll be here no. all day. And that would cause uproar, I'm sure, in the second season. Yeah, because <laughs> it's players. all Villa players. Let's be honest, yeah, sadly, yeah. Um, but there's one feature that we normally do that we are still going to do, which is what we're wearing, Dan. Yep, and um, it's probably worth saying as well, because the games are coming so thick and fast at the minute, like we're recording this on the 28th. Yeah. We kind of thought by the time we get this... If we spent ages talking about the games just gone, we'll touch on them briefly, but by the time we get this out, there'll have been another game and, yeah. it, and then another, and it just felt like doing a whole episode as normal kind of felt a bit weird. Yeah. So, yeah, we thought we'd do this instead, year in review. Year in review. But, yes, what we're wearing. Yeah, I can see you've got a new shirt for Christmas, Dan, yes. because you've been talking about this shirt for a while, and yes. there it is. Nice, easy one for you this week. Yeah. Would that be the 2023-24 third kit, It Dan? is, and this is the first third shirt I've ever owned, actually. Is it? I've never owned a third. Like, I've owned plenty. There, you've never really had that many. No. I, I've got a few that were away kits and then became the following season's third kit, if you know what I mean. Yeah. Um, but, uh, yeah, so this is the black number. Um I easily my favourite of the three kits. <laughs> Not too much to say really. Obviously, this is the incumbent kit. This is this season's kit. But yeah, really nice blackout one. It has actually got more of a sort of pattern to it when you look at it up close on the on the shoulders and stuff. Um, obviously, this season is uh, we've talked about a lot. Yeah. <laughs> the current season. Have but you won a game in that kit yet? No, no, I don't think we have. Because uh, we've only won two away games this season, and they were Cardiff and. Bristol, Bristol City. City. I think we were the home one against Bristol City. Well, we must have won the home one and then the uh, the red one against the red one with the black pattern against Cardiff. Yeah, obviously this is a the first really the first Rooney era kit because this was I'm pretty yeah. sure it was revealed after Rooney came in. Yes, because we talked about that those just miraculously lining up. Yes, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um yeah, obviously the season's not quite panning out as I'd hoped. Um but I'm sure we'll we'll get into that week by week as we go on. Mm-hmm. But nice kit nonetheless. Um 
So yeah, 23, 24, third shirt. And I know what you're wearing yeah. because I saw the season details open on your laptop yeah. when I was, <laughs> when I was uh, trying to sort the tripod out. Um, and I was, I'd know it anyway, though. Yeah, it's probably one of the more famous kits mm. for the Cross City. Yeah, so you're wearing 2002-3 um, home. 2002-3 home. I love this shirt. This is like the V-neck with the like claret and blue cuffs. I think it's a gorgeous shirt. And I think if they did a modern remake of this shirt, it would look spectacular as well. No betting spots. got Rover on the front of it. Like, yeah. what a thro- throwback shirt, really. Very brilliant. And 2002 doesn't seem that... Like to to think that like Rover were sponsoring football yeah. shirts in two thousand two three, like they went bust like a few years oh, later. Oh yeah, for sure. So, um, yeah, great shirt, terrible, se- great shirt, crap season. But yeah, uh, here we check go that again. Out. Yeah. Um, sad bit of trivia for you here. That is the last um, last time we finished above you. Is it? Yeah. Even in the championship, we still finished above you. Yeah, because yeah, you were in relegation battles. Mm. So yeah. Which is mad. Twenty years ago, which yeah. is crazy. Um, but yeah, obviously that's the year we did the Tien Coleman season. Our first year in the Premier League, so we did the double over here. It's just famous for the Enkelman season and the Dion Dublin Robbie Savage yeah. Robbie Savage headbutt moment. Class. Really, just fantastic. Um, I wish I'd been a bit older for all that stuff. Wish I remembered it a bit more clearly. But yeah, I'm glad I don't really remember this era at all. You know, we finished sixteenth. Third cup of the FA of the uh, of the FA Cup, but we did get to the quarter final of the League Cup semi finals, the Intertoto. Dion Dublin scored ten Premier League goals, fourteen in all comps. So Graham Taylor was a manager. I wouldn't have known that without checking. I think there was like his second spell, wasn't it? He came yeah. back for like maybe just this one season or something. Yeah, um, I just I just look back at some of the players in this era. And it's like, yeah, when future <laughs> Blues legend um, Ulysses De La Cruz. Yeah. <laughs> Can't wait for the second city story <laughs> on him. Yeah. Um, but there, there is one, there is one, one bit of trivia I have about this kit. A current Premier League manager would have worn this shirt. They might not have played in the first team, but they were certainly signed. Or they were certainly in the first team this season. Current Premier League manager. Hmm. Do you want a clue? Uh, no, maybe in a minute. <laughs> uh, Chris Wilder. No, uh, that's a good question. Um, it's not going to be Hodgson. No, <laughs> I, it's fair to say it'd be a younger manager. Roberto De Zerbi. No, he's too, he's too young for that still, isn't he? I think you're probably in the right um, age bracket. Um, uh, who's the Bournemouth manager? Uh, Iriola, yeah. it's not, it's not him. Uh, but but it is was. Far, is it? Is he a? He's an, 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 an international manager. No, like, no, he manages in the Premier League. Oh no, but I mean, like he's he's not no, British. No, no, he's a he's a UK manager. Gary O'Neill. No, I'll tell you. Uh, Luton, Luton. Yes, oh, wow. Rob Edwards. I didn't even know he played for. Um, I didn't know that. Oh. Yeah, interesting. Yeah. Fun bit of trivia. Nice. That's better than anything you get out of a Christmas cracker. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> um, sweet. Shall we? Um, have a quick talk then about uh, the games that have happened since we last recorded. So yeah. as we say, we're recording this on the 28th. So um, we're playing tomorrow night, playing Bristol City. Hasn't happened yet. Or alternatively, leave the right one in. What a great win against Bristol City. <laughs> <laughs> More likely you're going to need this edit instead. What a disaster. Rudy's been sacked. Yeah. <laughs> you know. um, no, but uh, yes. Yeah. Should we talk about... You've had two games since we, we last spoke anyway. Did you want to just quickly talk about them or... Yeah, I, th- I think back to the optimism pre-Christmas. Mm. We were running up to Sheffield United. You even said, oh, this must be a dream for you, Callum. You're playing bottom of the league. They're rubbish. To go top of the Premier League at Christmas. And everything went right other than our result for that game. Um, yeah, just one of those days. We had a lot of decisions go against us, I think it's fair to say. We should have had two penalties... And I and the goal for me should never have been disallowed, and I will die on that hill. It was a different phase of play, and I don't think anyone will ever be able to convince me otherwise that it wasn't a different phase of play. Foul on the goalkeeper, yes, but it's a different phase of play. Um, but we also didn't lose the game. We, you know, we have for the most, for pretty much the entire season, we found a way to just get something out of games, whether that be a last-minute winner or a, a late goal to earn a point in a game that we, another Villa team would have lost. 
So it's still showing signs of this is the new Aston Villa under Unai Emery. Um, so, you know, if we'd have drawn to Arsenal and beaten Sheffield United, everyone would have gone. Or drawn to Man City and beat Sheffield United, people would have been like, you know what, that's a good return from those games. It just happened the other way around. It's one of those. Um, annoyingly, obviously, Arsenal-Liverpool did draw the day after, which meant that we would have been top on, uh, on Christmas Day, which would have been really cool, because um, we haven't been top in about 25 years, which is kind of mad. Um, but then Boxing Day, yeah. and I just spoke about this being a new villa, the new villa, where we don't do stupid things. You know, th This isn't like your classic villa, of course we lost this game we were controlling. Unfortunately, we did we did find a way just to slip back into that. Um, yeah, there's been a lot of games this year where I've been really stressed watching them, and like as I've said, like been hiding behind the Christmas tree or like pacing around the room. As whereas this wasn't that because the first half we were the better team. Um, they they were the, Man United improved towards the the later end of the first half, but we just kept catching them offside. So the ball would go over the top, and you go right. He's offside. He's offside. Um, and so I was, you know, tuning up at half time. You know, we had Dendonka in midfield, who I think everyone was a bit nervous about. Although it's exactly what I would have done if I was in Emery. He got on the score sheet. Clement Longley was having a good game as well. Bear in mind he's barely played for us, and but when he's come in, he's slotted in pretty well. Um, but the second half was a disaster, mm. an absolute disaster. And it was almost like everything that could have gone wrong went wrong. Man United started the half really, really well. We just didn't get going. Mm -hmm. Um, they had disallowed goal like two minutes into the half. Um, and I, I remember saying uh, at the time, I was like, well, that, that's good that that's happened because that'll be the way Colony to just re-engage and get going again. And it didn't happen. They just kept going for us and we just completely lost our way. We were panicking. We just kept giving the ball away. Um, as well as in parts in the first half, we, after we'd soaked up some pressure, we'd just have a control the possession, just pass the ball around. And yeah, uh, Alejandro Garnacho just completely tore us to pieces. And as predicted on this podcast a week and a half ago, Rasmus Hoyland got his first Premier League goal. And that moment just took me back more than 10 years to that Federico Makeda last-minute goal <laughs> when we were 2-0 up at Old Trafford and lost 3-2. Yeah. Disaster. Um, but, you know, good and bad. I think the media have now written us off. Mm. Which is probably a good thing. That Bubakar Kamara red card against Brentford is haunting us quite badly. We miss Yuri Tielemans, who's injured. Um, Pal Torres has been missing. We missed him as well. Um, Jacob Ramsey's still trying to get back up to speed after bearing in mind he's missed pretty much like a third of the season, really, with that recur recurring injury. Hopefully, Luca Dean's injury is not too bad. So it's a bit subdued, bearing in mind, you know, I'm going to the villa on the, in like two days and it's like, right, we've got to win and. You know, yeah. let's just re-engage and go again. Fair enough. Um, cool. So, on the blue side, we played we played Plymouth on the twenty third, which feels like ages ago now. Mm. It's only been five days, but um, yeah, and, uh, I didn't get to see the game. Didn't go. It was away, obviously, but um, yeah, frustrating. And I think it kind of summed up a lot of the Rooney era so far. Like we were two 0 up, and then. Plymouth pulled a goal back because we made a silly defensive mistake. Uh, Red sadly. card. Yeah, and then we had a man sent off, which I thought was harsh. I don't know if you've seen it. I, I haven't, no. I thought it was harsh. Like, yeah, he kind of does come off the ground a little bit, but I think context is important as well. Like, it's not an aggressive challenge. It's not... I, I think the Plymouth player's reaction is probably what got him sent off. Yeah. Um, But then we went and added a third goal. So you think, well, we're 3-1 up. I know we've had a man sent off, but we've showing what we're made of and added an extra goal and yeah of course we end up drawing 3-3 kind of sums up the Rooney era on the whole just not being able to see games out and defensively very fragile um, but then Boxing Day was the real story of the week in my opinion so yeah. I know we drew Plymouth which was disappointing in the circumstances but the last few games have been a lot more encouraging we had obviously beat Cardiff which was really positive lost to Leicester but played well uh, drew Plymouth thinking we're finally hopefully getting a little bit of momentum even just a glimmer of something and then the Stoke game on Boxing Day was like crashing back down to earth it was um, really poor really really poor we lost 3-1 um, 
pro- for me, probably the worst performance under Rooney that I've seen. Worst performance of the season so far, if you ask me. Yeah, and um, you, you just hit this weird sort of narrative as well where mm. you're playing Plymouth after their manager yeah. has just left to go to Stoke and you played the two of them within like three days of each other. Yeah, yeah, of course. And they, they, they were good to be fair, but I think we made them look good. Um, yeah, dreadful. But I might talk about the game a bit more in one of our topics later yeah. on. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's not best game or highlight of 2023. No. Um, but yeah, it was... Other than I mean, the Rotherham game was terrible a few weeks ago, the Coventry away game was terrible. But this was like, for me, I think maybe it's because it came after something that felt a bit more positive. Positive, mm-hmm. um, yeah, it was dreadful, absolutely dreadful. And hopefully against Bristol City we end up getting something because we really need. That's the only, I think Rooney said that's the one upside is we got another game just a few days later to hopefully yeah amend it. But yeah, that's what our week's been. So Merry Christmas. Yeah. <laughs> um, cool. There's nothing like the football to no. ruin your Christmas. Yeah, for sure. Cool. Um, shall we move into um, our 2023 year in review then? So yeah, we thought it'd be a good opportunity to talk about kind of our highlights of the year um, and kind of just summarise it in general and then look ahead to next year and basically reflect on where our respective clubs are now compared to 12 months ago and we'll go through a series of topics so like best game favourite goal best moment player of the year um, as we mentioned earlier so yeah should we get into it yeah do you want to go first sure so our first topic's going to be um, best game so yeah the way it's going to work is obviously I'll pick my favourite Blues game Callum will pick his favourite Villa game and so on and we'll alternate who goes first each time first of all I guess maybe summarise the year actually summarise 2023 yeah. as a whole um, it's been a really significant year I think it's fair to say it's not been um, everything I'd hoped for <laughs> it's, like, it's not been great <laughs> to be honest um, you know we finished comfortably in the bottom half and I think a lot of the good work from that season came in the first half of the season we actually tailed off quite a bit um, in, in the second half of the year but obviously the big the reason this year will really be remembered is for the takeover happening and Tom Wagner coming in and the whole sort of American era starting basically. So it's a hugely significant time for the club. So I'd sum it up this way. I think off the pitch it's been a really good year. New owners coming in. St Andrews looks a lot better. The future looks really bright, if you know what I mean. We're already seeing incremental yeah. changes to to Blues and I think the summer was a really positive time in the start of this season and it really starts to feel like we're going in a better direction. But on the pitch it's been a real struggle still as, as I mentioned the you know the end of last season wasn't great I think going into like the end of February we'd lost I think it was 9 out of 12 or 9 out of 11 games um, and we never really never really were in any danger of going down but yeah really tailed off and kind of you know our limitations were quite clear but then obviously after the takeover and Tom Wagner and Tom Brady and all that coming in we started the season really well we were I think 6th by the start of October. Yeah, you were in the playoffs when Eustace got sacked. Yeah, and then, yeah, Eustace gets <laughs> sacked and the whole Rooney thing's happened and since then he's won two out of 13 and we're kind of back to exactly... In terms of on the pitch, it doesn't really feel like anything's changed, if you know what I mean. We st- we're still struggling. We're still, I think we're 19th at the time of recording and we've finished 17th or lower every year since 2017, so it still feels like things haven't changed in that sense. Um a lot of similarities to the Zola era and when, when Rowett left and Zola came in. And so it feels really strange that history is repeating itself up to this point, you know, what's that, seven years later? Yeah. Ironically, that was when the the last owners came in, in 2016. So it feels like lessons haven't been learned as of yet. And so, yeah, it's been a disappointment on the pitch. But I am hopeful for the future. I really hope the Rooney thing still works. But yeah, whilst it's been a struggle on the pitch, I think, I think you know the, the future potentially could be bright, and I think in general the club's in a better place than it was twelve months ago. Um, I tell you what, before we get into like my favourite game, do you want to sum up Villa season as a, as a yeah. sort of topic? It's funny actually when you just said so. Off the pitch has been a disaster. Off the pitch for you has been great, and on the pitch has been a bit of a mess. Yeah. I'd say we've been the opposite of that. On the pitch, we have been sensational in twenty twenty three, and it is you know we I mentioned it on the last podcast. You know, I think I've done 10 games, got one more to do, so hopefully this doesn't ruin it. But every Villa game I've been to this year that I've seen in person, we've won. 
which is I think is about 10 games. So 10 wins out of 10 is really, really good going. Um, off the pitch, I mean, we've covered it a lot. The, the badge fiasco, um, what's going on with the North Stand, the fan advisory board stuff that's come out yesterday. The whole thing is a mess off the pitch, really. Um, and you know, changing of CEOs in the summer has really derailed a lot of stuff. Uh, whether it's for the best or not, we just don't know. Um, but on the pitch, started off well. We won on New Year's Day, and that just sort of set the tone. We did have a little bit of a bump, you know, the draw at home to Wolves, the three losses in a row to Arsenal, Manchester City, and Leicester, where we conceded, I think, like 11 goals in three games, um, was such a crucial part of our year because that's what sparked the change. Um, and that's where our, after that, our home run of 15 league victories in a row. And it's uh, it was more than that in all competitions because we had that one defeat to Everton uh, in the League Cup. Um, Watkins, among a few players, found incredible form. Um, we qualified for Europe, which was a pipe dream 12 months ago. Absolute pipe dream. Um, we had a decent pre-season in America, although we did have big injuries. We lost Alex Moreno, Jacob Ramsey, and of course, Emmy Buendia and Tyrone Mings had ACLs in the space of three days. Um, but here we are at the halfway point. We're third in the league. We've won 12, drawn three, lost four with the joint high scorers in the league which I think got eclipsed yesterday when Manchester City played. So I think we're the second highest scorers in the league now. You know, third at the halfway point is more than we could have dreamed of. And despite this little bump in the road in the last week, we have been spoiled under Unai Emery in 2023. So here's to 2024. Yeah, the future's very bright. I think it says um, a lot about the differences in the mood between us yeah. when, like, you're, like, low point. Obviously, yeah, we're like, true wolves at home. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, okay, fair enough. Um, cool, we'll get on to our first proper topic then, which is best game or favourite games. It's just favourite in general, yeah. um, and you can talk about maybe specifically when you went to, maybe, if that's a different answer. Yeah. Um, so, with Blues, I kind of narrowed it down to like four main contenders. So, um, two of them were from the second half of last season, and two of them were from this season so far. So, the ones that I first picked out were, uh, we won 4-3 away at Swansea in February, insane game and I just kind of caught it on WM like leaving work um, but to put it into context we were 3-2 down going into stoppage time Jukovic's equalised any game where Jukovic scores a header that means something I mean come on it's you know it's like I'm getting that tattoo yeah. um, and then 97th minute Austin Trusty scored uh, a header from a corner outrageous just absolutely outrageous winning 4-3 away Reminded me of even though like the order of the goals was completely different, it kind of reminded me of when we won four three at QPR a few years ago. Um, I think it was in twenty nineteen. So, yeah, that seemed like an insane game, and I wish I'd been there. Um, then the next week we beat West Brom two 0 at home. That was a really special game and was seriously in contention for my favourite game of the year. Uh, in that game, Hannibal scored a wicked free kick where he sort of caught the keeper out and bent the ball around the wall. And then Beelik scored a header in the second half. Friday night game, beating... Obviously, we're not in the same league at the minute. Yeah. So, West Brom, in my opinion, is like our biggest game of the season. Yeah, yeah. Um, and, yeah, that was a really special night. Friday night, went with my uncles and a couple of my cousins and stuff. Yeah, just great night. Great night all round. Um, the first time game of this season against Leeds was a, is a terrible game. <laughs> but kind of... The surrealism of the takeover was really starting to kick in and the positivity was so insane. And obviously like Tom Brady was there, which is kind of mad. Rubbish game playing against newly relegated Leeds, but get a penalty in the 91st minute, I think it was, and Jukovic scores it. I mean, like, as I say, I'll take, like, just an amazing moment. And like, yeah, the feel-good factor was insane and like the fireworks going off. It was a really... It's kind of a shame that the season's not lived up to it at yeah. all <laughs> so far. Um, but my favourite game of 2023 um, was actually the second time we played West Brom at home this year. That was in October, um, and we beat them. We beat West Brom 3-1. And it was really between that and the other West Brom game, but this one, I think, was actually John Eustace's last game in the end. I'm not sure why specifically this one was better. I think maybe because we went 1-0 down. It had the fireworks. Had the fireworks, yeah, it had the fireworks. <laughs> and they went off. this was the game where it went off in front of us in the Tilden as well, and that was amazing. <laughs> Yeah, just great vibe, just a great night. To go 1-0 down and then turn it around by half-time. 
got very lucky with a dodgy penalty we got awarded and I think it won't win my goal of the year but the Gary Gardner free kick to make it 3-1 and seal it at the end in front of the, the tilt and I think it's no one thought Gary Gardner was going <laughs> to score that come on so that was just a great moment to cap it off and um yeah, kind of the last time I was happy as a Blues fan. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah so that was that's my my game of the year. The three one against West Brom was my favourite game. So yeah, how about you? There's quite a few to yeah. choose from. Yeah, certainly, there is there is quite a few yeah. to choose from. Um, I mean, there's games that you go to which mean a lot. So Arsenal at home this season, not last season. Um, Brighton at home on the last day of the season where we qualified for Europe. I did Leicester away, which was insane. Mm. That was an amazing away day. Um, but I think I have to go for Manchester City at home from only a few weeks ago. And I was really trying to make sure I wasn't clouded by recency bias. But that is the best I've ever seen an Aston Villa team play. And it was against one of the best teams maybe we've ever seen in football. Um yeah, I mean, a game where we only won 1-0 and it was a deflected shot, but we dominated the game. Manchester City had nothing. They had two shots. That was in the 11th minute, one after the other. And, yeah, the game that I really wish I'd been to. Um, and would be a regret for a long time that I never went to that game. Um, but it was also... You get a different perspective when you watch on the telly, and I think, you know, to really understand the, the shape of how the game has gone to watch it on the telly it was a special game to watch live anyway and so I think it has to be that one um, shall we move on then to uh, best goal favourite goal that we've scored this year do you want to go first this time yeah uh, again we've got a few Coutinho at home uh, versus Arsenal in the 4-2 was a great move and a great goal um, I, I loved Ollie Watkins' goal against West Ham at the early part of this season but I did touch on Leicester away last year and so I'm going to go for Bertrand Traore's winner in that 2-1 where it's like the 90th minute and Wilfred and Deed, like we've got a bit of an attack and it breaks down and Wilfred and Deedy just passes it into nowhere and Bertrand Traore just like curves his run and just like smacks it first time into the top corner right in front of us and that you know my away day record as you well know is Awful. Yeah, mine's not much better. Yeah, <laughs> dreadful. And so a last-minute winner, that was insane. And a player that, like, was a forgotten man, shipped out to Turkey under Gerard. Yeah, special goal, special goal. Last-minute winner, and it was a cracker as well. Fantastic. Uh, well, no, not fantastic. I wish none of those yeah. got that. But, uh, no, nice. Um, my favourite goal, I've got a few. I mentioned the Gary Gardner free kick against West Brom. I think just for the moment of it and kind of... Yeah, of all the people to like, it would have been like my last pick to score a goal like that. Um, but yeah, that was a great moment. Um, what else have I got written down? Hannibal's free kick against West Brom, I mentioned as well. Hannibal was unreal that night. That's not like one of the. Uh, I think the thing with that one, though, is the wall did a, half the work for you, yeah, if I remember true, right. True. <laughs> you know what I, I did? We, I was trying to think of the best goal, and I was like, I didn't even write any others down. I put Scott Hogan against West Brom as well. Um, that like mad counter attack goal, yeah. and I was like, I, I was like, oh yeah, that's the best goal. But then I realised that was twenty twenty two, so I didn't <laughs> even think about this category for ages. Um, but no, um, my favourite goal, or I think the best goal, was um, this season in August. Jay Stansfield against Plymouth, um, which I'm sure I think we talked about it at the time, yeah. where he, he was in the last minute. We were drawing one one, and uh, Eustace was still in charge, and the balls come to Stansfield on his debut, and he's flicked the ball over the defender's head and then volleyed it and his dad was Exeter through and through yeah he was yeah um, so yeah pretty special goal for him on his debut 96th minute announcing his arrival at Blues um, yeah incredible moment so that would be one of my that would be my, my favourite goal in 2020 or I think the best goal the Blues scored in 2023 uh, so yeah nice so if we think to the summer transfer window or maybe even the January transfer window as well mm. um, who would you say the best signing of 2023 was? Um, I've got a few jotted down Was it Tyler Roberts? It wasn't Tyler Roberts despite his amazing um, return to the pitch on uh, there's, I'll get onto it later but there was a point on Saturday uh, on, on Saturday on Boxing Day where Blues were playing Ollie Burke and a half fit Tyler Roberts up front <laughs> and I was like what what has happened to my club <laughs> um, no it's not Tyler Roberts although give him time hopefully we did even though this season's not quite working out um, we have made some good signings uh, the 
the best signing that probably has been Joe Stansfield. He's definitely our biggest goal threat. Obviously, the biggest shame is he's on loan. I think you can kind of sum up what a good signing he's been by the fact that if we lost if we lost him now in this January window for whatever reason, we'd really notice it. Yeah. Um, yeah, he's got some great goals. He plays. I really like his sort of energy, and he's got a bit of fight about him. Um, so yeah, hopefully, I'm sure it'll, uh, touch wood, he'll be here till the end of the season and see him continue to grow up Blues. But honourable mentions, I think Ethan Laird has been fantastic. The only shame is he's injured quite a lot. Um, uh, Sariki Dembele not quite been on it as recently, which I think stops him being in serious contention. But I do really like him. I think he's got a big future uh, if he can if we can work out. I think I think it's a team improves. I think he'll improve. Uh, and Koji Miyashi as well. I'm really. I, I think Koji Miyashi is too good to not be starting regularly, in my opinion. Which, with the exception of Unboxing Day, doesn't really seem to have been the case. Um, but yeah, Jace, Jace Tansfield would be my answer. So, how about you? I had to really think about this one um, because we because we've been just getting better and better and better for throughout the year. Um, there are some great contenders. I think uh, some of them though just plagued by injury. Like Alex Moreno, I think, would have been a heavy contender, but. He only really played half a season. I'm going to go with Pau Torres, a player with quite a bit of profile. So I think everyone was expecting him to be good. But the way that he was sort of thrown in when he wasn't meant to be because of Tyrone Mings' injury. And he did take a couple of weeks to sort of adapting up to the pace of the Premier League. But we've really noticed when he hasn't played in the last couple of games... He's had to become a real leader in that team. Which, you know, to come straight in and to have to take in a big role to fill... I think he has been absolutely fantastic. Um, you know, Musa Diaby started really, really well, but he's just lost a bit of form and he's been on the bench a lot recently. And, you know, when you compare him to the way Leon Bailey has really found form, you can't really give it to him. Yuri Tillemans was finding his fate and he's just got injured. So, um, and Nicolas Zaniolo hasn't had enough game time. So, Pal Torres, I think, for definite. Do you think he's going to keep Mings out full stop? The it's hard to say because I think in this, I think in January we'll have to go in for another right back because you know it's fair enough if you know Emery doesn't want to play Matty Cash in some of the tougher away games in particular or the tougher home games, um, but there's just something about Diego Carlos that I can't quite put my finger on. He's a bit error prone. I don't think he's as good as everyone was maybe hoping he was going to be, mm. and I think so. If Tyron Mings was to come back as he was right now. I think with everyone fit, it'd be the back four would be Konza, Mings, Torres, and then either Dina Moreno. So I don't think Pal Torres keeps Tyron Mings out. I think he keeps Diego Carlos out. Um, moving on then to we're going to pivot to the negatives. Yeah. What, what was your What was your low there. point of the year? And what was the yeah. worst game that made you feel <sighs> like rubbish? <laughs> Like written down, I've got written down, I mentioned uh, towards the end of February where we, last season, where we kind of, I think people forget we went on really quite a bad run. And uh, I think yeah, it was 9 out of 11 or 12 games we, we lost and that culminated with, we lost to Luton, who obviously got promoted, we're having a good season. But that, it was like, you know when you've just lost that one game too many and things yeah. feel really bad. But we recovered from that. Um, I went to a game against Blackpool at the end of last season where we lost 1-0 and I think Neil Etheridge had an absolute howler and give the ball away and we lost 1-0 that was just like end of season like stinker yeah um, the Rotherham game the other week the 0-0 kind of I know it's 0-0 we didn't lose but we I don't know how we didn't lose we were very poor and I think kind of summed up a feeling that the Rooney thing as of yet really isn't taking off and then the Coventry game um, was that after that yeah it was a week later where we lost 2-0 that was that was a howler as well um, yeah but for me like, I don't think it's just recency bias. Like the Stoke game the other night was, um, yeah, it was like a new low. I thought, and I, as I mentioned, coming after like an improvement in the few games before that, I think, yeah, like it's a culmination of things. The atmosphere was really not up for it. I, I, I'm not criticizing the fans there. I mean, because of how poor it was on the pitch. I think the team, the, the fans, really struggled to get beyond the team, myself included. And it was everything. It was kind of tactically a bit naive I've looked at the setup and how poor we've become defensively and I'm watching players that I, I like as players 
seeming very uncomfortable and not quite knowing what they're doing. But for example, John Ruddy and Deion Sanderson look really confused at the minute. Really poor goals to give away, um, all three of them. Yeah, just a really tough game all round. And it was the uh, Rooney said in his, I, I, I like some things he said in his interview. Like he said, you know, it's not good enough, and the staff, the, the players have let the staff down, they've let the fans down. And I, I like to hear that. The one thing he said though was, I can't question. He said some. I'm paraphrasing, but he said I can't. I can't question the work rate. Uh, but I think he can. I think he absolutely can. Mm-hmm. It was the first time. I'm not one to criticise. You know, when like people watch football and they go, "He's not running." Yeah, he's not, yeah. Like well, that's not how it works. <laughs> but like the other night, I really think the work rate could seriously be questioned. Um, yeah, like lack of movement off the ball, like just basics, like a closing down when when they should be. Uh, yeah, really poor. I think that was probably my low point, which is a shame because obviously we're ending almost ending the year on that. Um, but yeah, I've got to say the Stoke game from the other night was dreadful. Yeah. How I, about you? I think well, a contender is Man United on Boxing yeah. Day be- mm-hmm. just because of the way we were in control and just threw it away, um, like we've done so many times against Manchester United. Um, but I will go for Newcastle away on the opening day where we lost five one, because it's more. It was more than just the result. We'd we'd had a good preseason, but then we'd lost two of our key players to long term injuries. One of them. 20 minutes into the game and then we just got absolutely pumped in the second half and you know you have all that new season optimism and it it in the space of 90 minutes I was in the pub with my head in my hands going I hate football <laughs> why are we doing this again yeah, yeah. Um, so I'll probably go for that fair enough um, moving on then to slightly more positive things most improved player at your club so. I, I think for us it's an easy one there's quite a lot of players have improved a lot I mean people forget that 12 months ago John McGinn was not a starter in our team mm. um, and he only got in the team on New Year's Day because of an injury to somebody it was probably Bibakar Kamara um, so he's a great shout but I'm going to go for Leon Bailey I remember I spoke about Leicester away where Traore scored that goal and Leon Bailey had a terrible night and he was on the pitch for about 80 minutes and he really could have gone off a lot earlier um, and you know, people were moaning at him in, during the game and it just almost felt like this guy is just not going to work for him at Aston Villa even though he played a lot last season at Unai Emery just because we didn't have many options he was like our only winger near enough um, but he's been so good this season so he's become undroppable in our team and he's been absolutely fantastic He's doing his defensive work, which he never used to do. And, yeah, he's he, he, he's a threat every time he goes forward for us. So it'll have to be Leon Bailey. Easy. What about you? Yeah, pretty easy one as well. Someone who, in the Rooney era, has undeniably consistently improved and gotten better and better is Jordan James. Um, not just at club level, internationally, he's been doing really well for Wales as well. Yeah. He, I feel like at the minute he's kind of undroppable from the sort of more of a number 10 position. Scoring a lot more goals, really good goals as well. His goal against um, Leicester was was excellent, and yeah, he's been a real threat, and he looks just really up for it. He's um, a really positive player to watch at Blues, and a, a rare kind of real bright spark at the minute. Um, I don't know if it's Rooney or or any of the coaches there that have really had an influence on him, but yeah, he's been terrific. Uh, he's gone from being not really uh, not really playing much at all under yeah. Eustace, to be fair, to undroppable at the minute so yeah Jordan James how old is he now he's about 19 still got a huge future ahead of him if he keeps it up I think we're going to be fighting off some Premier League clubs for him Um, I don't know if you think any Premier League clubs might come knocking for him but it's always the way when teams come up in the summer the the top championship players Mm. or at least the ones showing high potential they either move to a team in and around promotion or someone like you know let's just say Leeds get promoted in the playoffs or an Ipswich, maybe. Mm. They take a punt. I yeah. can see it. No, for sure. I do agree. Um, what was your most shocking moment of the year, Dan? It doesn't have to be a good thing. It doesn't yeah. have to be a bad thing. But sure. what was the most shocking moment? Uh, like the Rune, like If you told me a year ago Rooney would be manager, I, I think the fact that we've kind of done... The, and again, I'm still behind... I, I feel like I've been quite negative in this episode, but I am still behind it and I still really want it to work. And there's still time for it to work. But the fact that we've kind of done the Zola thing again in a way yeah uh, in terms of sacking a pop yeah popular like 
manager doing well when the club's doing well. But it's still pretty surreal to me having Rooney there. And that, so that'd be my most shocking moment. I remember being at work and like you texted me and saying, we've got to do a podcast tonight then now. Yeah. <laughs> and I, that was like, I was like, what's up? Because I'm not really on like Twitter or anything yeah. anymore. So I was a bit oblivious to it all. Um, but yeah, so that'd be my most shocking moment. But uh, a more positive, shocking moment the whole Tom Brady thing is just mad. Like, <laughs> Even though it's like a tiny minority yeah, stakeholder. Yeah, it's still mad. Like, I remember seeing the announcement video, which is brilliant, that Blues put out. That's uh, pretty cool still, having him involved. Um, so yeah, but yeah, the Rooney thing has got to be, has got to be why am I shocking? How about you? couple of contenders. Um, the 6-1 versus Brighton. Well, mm. I thought we'd go and play well and probably win the game. To win 6-1 was a bit more than anything anybody could have seen coming. But I think I'll go for a slightly negative one, which will be Legia Warsaw away, where we lost 3-2. First game back in Europe, away day, so excited for it, and we lost 3-2, and we were rubbish. Mm. We were really, really poor. Callum Chambers had a disastrous game. He wasn't the only one, in fairness. But yeah, that was like... Uh, you know, you're going into you're going into a game with such a high and so much excitement, and for it to just not go anywhere near how you thought it was going to go, that was quite a shocking moment, really. Um, obviously, things have turned around in Europe since then, but that that was that was an incredibly low point, I think. How about so we're going to quickly bomb through our starting eleven, uh, starting eleven of 2023, and then we'll pick our individual best player of 2023. So yeah, um, across the year, if you have to pick a team of players that players that don't have to have been here for the whole year, yeah. Um, as long as we, as long as we're making a sensible formation, yeah, yeah. Garth Crooks and Alan Shearer. Ah, yeah, come on, Garth, <laughs> come on sorry, Alan. Um, yeah. yeah, I mean, goalkeeper for us picks itself very easy, which is Emmy Martinez, um, Robin Olsen. <laughs> Uh, no. <laughs> um, so I've gone with... Uh, I was going to put Matty Cash at right back, but then when I really thought about the year as a whole, and I love Matty Cash, and I, think he, I do think he's a really good player, and he did have a great start to this season, and it has been forgotten about a little bit. But I do think back, he was in and out of the team when we had Ashley Young, and he didn't start a lot of those big games towards the back end of the season. And he sort of found himself out of the team again now. So I'm going to put Esri Konza at right back. And then that does allow me to put Tyrone Mings and Paul Torres as the two centre-backs. Um, and then I, left back, I really could have had either of them, which is Luca Dino or Alex Moreno. I did go for Alex Moreno. But what, one of them has played one half of the season and the other one has played sort of the other half of the season. So, And they've both been fantastic. And so I wouldn't have ang- be angry with either of them. Um, obviously, in the, in the middle of our 4-2-2-2, we've got Louise and Kamara again. Picks himself. Douglas Louise has been phenomenal. He's one of the best midfielders in the league at the moment. And I don't think that is an outrageous thing to say. Um, right attacking mid, John McGinn. Phenomenal improvement. And he's become a linchpin of that team. I did go for Jacob Ramsey on the left. I know he's been injured and he's really struggled when he's come back. But no one else in that position has actually done anything better. Yeah. Um, so... He was fantastic in the run-up to us qualifying for Europe, so I've gone for him. And then I've gone for Bailey and Watkins up front. Leon Bailey's form and the important stuff he did at the back end of last year. Along with Ollie Watkins, there are not enough superlatives for how good Ollie Watkins has been in 2023. Hopefully he can find that extra gear. If he finds that extra gear, my God, he's already a great player. He'll be an unbelievably great player in 2024 if he just finds that extra gear. So... That's my team. Should I do my player of the year? Yeah, it? Player of the year, John McGinn. Again, was out of the team. The cap, you know, had all this sort of negativity around him having the captaincy, and he's he has scored so many big goals. He's dragged us through some games like you really need your captain to do, and he's a he seems like an amazing bloke and a great footballer. And yeah, uh, I couldn't be happier to give him my player of the year. Fair enough, yeah. I mean, it's mad to think where he was when Gerard was there and where he's now. It's crazy. It's mad. Like, that Gerard thing feels like so long ago, even yeah. from the outside looking in. And it's surreal as well that Gerard was the manager. In a bit, a bit of the way that Rooney's your manager. Yeah, that's, that's, and they are going the same I, way. I've been very critical. I, I laughed from a distance at the whole Gerard thing. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Obviously, I hope, as I say, I'm still back in it. I can still turn around. But So, this is like 
kind of tough because obviously we've not, as I said, we've not had a great year. And it's mad how if I'd been asked to do this 11 a few weeks ago, mm. it would be very different. Not, not very different, but there's some players that would have got in a few weeks ago that don't now. Um, so it is a bit of a hodgepodge because it's kind of hard to put together a yeah. team of that's not quite done it. But we have had some good players this year. Um, so I've gone 4-2-3-1, which was kind of like Eustace's favourite formation. Yeah. Um, John Ruddy in goal, no-brainer, even though he's not had a great sort of second like second half of the year. He's got, like he's the only one who can play consistently. Um, right back Ethan Laird, no brainer, a lot of injuries, but he's been outstanding. Now my two centre backs. Um there's no Dion Sanderson, which may seem strange. Club captain. <laughs> and it's harsh because he has there's been times this year where he's been great, but he's really struggled the last few weeks and I think he's kinda lost his head a bit at the minute. Um I really hope like he can get back to the level he was at, but yeah, it's just I just can't it feels harsh because I feel like there's players that have played a lot that have had bad periods lately that have had to drop and he's one of them uh, but on another day he could have got in but I've gone for Austin Trusty, no-brainer if he'd been here for the whole year he'd be my player of the year outstanding he's in the Premier League now with good reason because he's an unbelievable player and I, I think he'll be a US international regular before too long um, and then my other centre-back is Kevin Long who has a lot of injuries and kind of disappeared a bit under Rooney but he's been really solid for us this year. I've kind of gone more for players that have been really solid, yeah, yeah. even if it means they've maybe not played as much as some others. And I considered putting Trusty at left-back and putting Dion in at centre-back, but I've put Trusty at centre-back because I do think that's his strongest position, and I've put Lee Buchanan in at left-back. Struggled a little bit lately and not played as much as I would have liked, but on his day, he is, he is absolutely class, and I think him and Laird will, will come really good for us. My two holding centre-mids, I've gone for Hannibal Mabry, that West Brom game, one of the best individual performances I've ever seen from a Blues player. And I've put Bakuna in at centre mid as well. Come up with some big goals. He can be frustrating, but he, he's a big player for us when he's on it. Kind of similar to Dion, I've dropped Bielik. Feels really harsh because I think he is technically probably our most gifted player. But similar reasons to Dion for dropping him really. Maybe a bit of a divisive one that. In the number 10 role, Jordan James, as I mentioned earlier. Undroppable at the minute. Um, left wing I've gone Siriki Dembele would have put Koji Miyoshi in but he's just not quite played enough for me at all really but I think if he had played more I think he'd undoubtedly be in Dembele on the left wing I've actually gone for um, maybe not the most obvious one I've gone Rida Kadra on the right wing who was with us in, on loan uh, second half of last season he was it I think people forget how good he was um, yeah he really was a bright spark in our team last season and then I've gone for Joe Stansfield up front um, so yeah, that's my eleven: Ruddy, Laird, Long, Trusty, Buchanan, Maybury, Bakuna, James, Kadra, Stansfield, Dembele is my eleven. And for reasons I mentioned earlier, my player of the year is is Jordan James. Even though he hasn't, I mean, the first half of the year he didn't even really play that much, but he's been here the whole year and he's gone from here to here. Yeah. So yeah, he's my player of the year. Wonderful stuff. Hopes for twenty twenty four. Yeah. <laughs> It's tough, but continue to. I hope off the pitch things continue to improve, and I, I definitely think they will. Really positive about all that. St Andrews continues to, you know, look like you know just look like a real stadium yeah. again. It's really nice. That's been a real positive this year. Um, hopefully the crowds continue to grow, and hopefully we improve it defensively. Hopefully the Rooney thing works out, and if we can finish even just mid table, that'd be a huge. I'd be so glad with that under Rooney that'd mean it's somewhat working and build on it next season Rooney hopefully bring in a few of his own players but yeah if we can, it sounds so lame but if we can get a mid-table finish and continue to just stabilise a bit under these owners that would be an improvement absolutely on a sort of 12 month comparison sort of this summer just gone to next summer so yeah that's my very <laughs> very <laughs> and hopefully kind of continue to build this philosophy under Rooney and be able to solidify it and get it to work I'm going to look very stupid if in a year's time like Rooney's gone by like February yeah. or something. <laughs> obviously, I obviously hope not and like Gary Megson will be our manager this time next year or something Pardew yeah probably um, how about you I think for us it's just keep improving especially away from home our away form it's not terrible but it is holding us back yeah um a real hope would be to win the Conference League. 
That's something I've really wanted ever since we qualified for it, and I think that should still be probably our main aim for the year. Champions League qualification would be huge as well, but it's so... Obviously, if we win the Conference League, it only gets you into the Europa League, as well as Champions League football, what that would do for the club, maybe even for the city as a whole in terms of some of that tourism. I mean, if we let's just say we qualify for the Champions League and had the group Newcastle just had, and you've got fans from Milan, Dortmund and Paris all come into Birmingham. That's incredible for the tourism, and it's incredible for the club as well. But no one remembers who finished fourth. No, that's true. And the trophy is more... For me, the trophy is more important. It's just so important for us. And so that is my hope for 2024. Not just because I'm going to Athens <laughs> regardless, <for> the, regardless <laughs> for when the Conference League final is on, um, which would be annoying if it's like Frankfurt Legia. Um, mm. But... Uh, that's the hope I hope we can win that fair enough um, unfortunately it's very realistic as well like it's achievable you know yeah but this is Aston Villa true, <laughs> true we true. never do things the easy way oh, tell me about it um, wicked I think I that, think we're about there yeah so thank you very much for joining us throughout the second half of 2023 um Six months in. Yeah, this is episode 19? 19, 19, 19, yeah. It's been great. It's been a great... It's been, it's been wonderful. And thank you so much to everyone who's helped us like, launch it so far, and hopefully we'll just continue to grow it in 2024. Yeah, um, and I think I forgot to mention it a couple of weeks ago. The eight people who, in the Spotify rap stats, were, <laughs> we were their number one podcast. So thank you to everyone who, in a very short space of time, yeah. made us their number one podcast. That means an absolute lot as well. And, yeah, have a great new year. Yeah, stay safe. We'll both see you in 2024 and up the villa. Shit on the villa and keep right on. See you next time.